That's a growler. Hello, and welcome to the Shining Light Podcast. This is a platform where we let our individual light shine through our personal testimonies of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and the many blessings it brings to our lives. Here's our host. Hello, friends. Good to be with you. Uh, my name is Joseph Bowman, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to discuss with you some of these gospel principles. A little bit about myself. I hail from the cornfields of Illinois, and I was blessed for the opportunity to serve my mission in the Salt Lake City East Mission, 2016 to 2018. And that's where I met my friend Don Trail. We hit it off really quickly, and uh, we plan to be lifelong friends from this time forward. So. It's going to be a blast. Currently, I'm studying at LDS Business College. I'm studying uh, project management. Then I'll plan to get my uh, bachelor's in construction management from that point. Still single. I've been off my mission for a year and a half. Sometimes I question if I was a good missionary or not. Nah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I'm still working on it. You know, I'm doing the best I can. And then one day, I'll be like our other guest, Tyrell. He's married. He's pretty cool. I'll let you hear from him now. I, it's true. I am married, but I, it took me till I was 25. So, you know, there's hope. So, so don't okay. you worry. Okay, thanks. I'm 23. Clock's ticking. Yeah, right. Hey, I'm not even going to say my age, and I'm not. So I, I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> oh, no worries. So, so yeah, my name's Tyrell. Um, I, I grew up in Utah, and uh, northern Utah, country town, Tremont, Utah. And uh, I served my mission in, in Texas and had a blast. That was, that was fun. That's also where I met Dontrell. Uh, he grew up in Texas and he had just gotten back from his mission and we, uh, we worked together a bit. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Really funny stories about that too. And uh, <laughs> I also going to college still. I say still because I'm 30 and still going to college. But I, it's, it's really good. We're, we, we've got the end in, in sight. We're getting close, um, doing well, and uh, got a little family on the way having fun. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about our topic, stand in holy places, because I think this applies a lot, especially when it comes to marriage, to religion, to centering ourselves, um, all those things. And so I really like that. I think that's really cool. Excited to talk to you guys about it. Same here. I'm very excited. Yes. So Joseph, since you specifically chose the topic, I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of lead us off in, in that discussion. Absolutely. Whenever I heard about the opportunity to to share, you know, my thoughts on the podcast, this topic came instantly to my mind because it's been on my mind a lot lately. The reason being is because the world that we live in is continuously becoming more and more unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> it's so loud. It is in some ways downgrading and dark and scary. And that's not something that we all like. It's very hard. But our agency is still there for us. God's never going to take that away. And we need to use that to our advantage. And there's the ball is still in our court to where we can still make choices daily to live and stand in holy places. The scripture source where this comes from is in Doctrine and Covenants, section 87. In the very last verse, it says, Wherefore, stand ye in holy places and be not moved. Until the day of the Lord come, for behold, it cometh quickly, saith the Lord. Amen. Until the day of the Lord comes. So that 
And it says it's coming quickly, and we can already see the signs of that. It is coming pretty quick. And so we just have to stand our ground for the last stretch here and do our best. And we can talk more about what does standing holy places mean. But whenever you hear that word, what's the first thing that comes to mind? For me, I think of uh, temples, obviously, because, you know, a holy place and to stand in a holy place. I guess the temple is kind of like the biggest symbol that I, that I see of that. Though I've also been thinking a lot about how, you know, when I think of holy places, what do I, what do I think of? I also think a lot about like my family did camping a lot as we were growing, uh, as I was growing up. Uh, they, you know, my parents were growing up, but uh, as I was growing up and, and we would have pretty cool experiences while we were camping. And so for me, those were also holy places. And then my home is a holy place if I make it that way. Because all of these things are intentional, right? Like you go to the temple, you go camping, you come home, and home becomes what you make it because it's where you're at most. And so that's another thing I think of a lot. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. What do you think, Dontre? I would agree as well with both of you. Like I think the temple for me has always been that refuge from the storm of the world and being able to look forward to being in a place where you just, you know, time seems to go by so slow there. You, you don't even focus on a lot of the trials and the troubles that you have, you know, that you know are waiting for you outside of the temple. And I think lately because of this COVID-19 and not being able to either attend church weekly or, you know, the temples because of staying safe, it really has put a new emphasis on making your home like your sanctuary. I thought it was interesting when the the prophet gave that little video message when he invited us to fast, when he said, you know, take advantage now of the home center church with the come follow me. And I can say, at least for me and being able to participate in like the sacrament in my home, it really brought a new feeling of just the sanctity of home and what you can make it to be. And for me, that was just, I'll never forget it. The two times now I've been able to experience that in my home, it's just really made me, I don't know, it's made me want to get my house more in order, as as the, the scriptures say, but really get it in order, if you know what I mean. Like, been doing a lot of spring cleaning. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Bowman? Oh, I agree with you as well. The temple, I really miss going to the temple. <laughs> it's been like a, over a month. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my goodness. But there are obviously, I've also learned standing holy places isn't always a place. It could just be standing in a holy manner. Mm, that makes sense. And you can make holy the place you are standing or sitting or, you know, <laughs> or sleeping anywhere. It's just wherever you are, where the spirit is present. I've really learned about this on my mission. Because as you know, when you're a missionary, your spiritual sensitivity is increased like sevenfold, right? <laughs> you're just <laughs> supercharged and you're set apart to decipher between, you know, the good and the bad, right? And mm -hmm. I could tell very quickly whenever I'm in different places, what's holy and what's not. If we knock on a door and we miraculously get inside and we're visiting with somebody and you can tell that their spirit's not, hasn't been in that house in a long time. And the spirit's a little hesitant to get inside. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unclean. The language and manner is unclean. And it's, it's an unclean, unholy place. And we're, it's, it's kind of a big bummer. And my companion and I will, all right, well, it's five o'clock. Let's get to our dinner appointment. And we go to a member's home where the priesthood is there. The spirit is there. And you, you can feel the stark difference of 
you know, it is a holy place. You can, I've, I can notice that going back and forth to different places, you know, where the spirit is and where it's not. And as I've been able to practice this principle, I've learned how um, I can strive to make every place where I am more holy. And there are obviously multiple practices. Everything we discuss about the gospel with our prayers and our scripture study, reading our patriarchal blessings and serving others is something that, that helps us with that. I, I assume you've experienced things similar to that on your missions, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. In fact, when you were talking about that, one of the things that came to my mind was I remember my mission president had talked to us about how for some of us, the mission was the most spiritual experience that we've ever had. And he made it a point multiple times that this, it was never intended to be that way, that the way we discuss it, I mean, those kind of things. But what was interesting about it was it made me change the way I was, my perspective on like the next phase of life, which is really critical because it helped me think of like, like the importance of prayer, right? Um, I've often thought about how as a missionary, it felt easier to feel presence of the Holy Ghost on a constant basis, I guess. But in retrospect, as I've analyzed it a lot, I find that it seems to be a lot more about the culture that's created. So one thing that's cool about the mission is that because of these rules that we follow or because of the culture of the mission where we pray on a regular basis, you know, hundreds of times a day, it's exaggerated, but you know, a ton of, a ton of times a day, these things stack up on top of each other to create a very spiritually sensitive individual. And so I've thought about that a lot because the times I have felt the most happy, the most excited, the most peaceful, I think that's the main word I want to say, because excited is not necessarily true. There's been times that I've had really rough times, but yet felt peace was when I was trying to emulate to some degree that culture of the mission, the, the prayers the mindfulness of Christ, the uh, holiness of, of spirit, like, you know, studying the scriptures or trying to focus on things that are good. Those seem to be the defining things. And, and what I found so fun about this topic is, is standing in holy places is that that's, that's a critical point. Like my apartment on my mission was a holy place. It was the place that you could go, you know, when the day was rough, where I could dive into the scriptures for myself right? And trying to find peace for myself or where I could pray more earnestly, I guess is the word I want to say. Maybe that's not the right, but you know, on my knees in a quiet place in a dedicated spot that I have where I can talk to the Lord between me and him in the most intimate of ways and kind of pour out my feelings without the distraction of cars driving by or, or wondering if people are looking at us and thinking that we're weird or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so that's something that's been on my mind a lot, especially with this topic, because you're only as holy as you want to be. And the culture that you establish in those places is for me where it's been most definitive as to how well I feel spirit. That's profound. That's really cool. Dontro, you've experienced that on your mission, I'm sure. And every day we all do. What does standing in holy places mean to you? After thinking about it, you know, I look back at my mission and it was, it was a good mission. And, and it's interesting. It was described to me like that first in my patriarchal blessing. That's, that's truly what made me decide to serve a mission. Before I actually went on a mission, I, I did exactly what I did with you guys. I worked with missionaries. And, and I did it so faithfully, like weekly, daily, especially when it was in that time of life where I wasn't yet in college. 
and I had finished high school. So it's that little awkward moment where you're trying to figure out what you want to do. But then I got caught up in doing my calling, which is a ward missionary, 19 years now. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm loving it. But, you know, when I think about it, when I went on my mission, it was a lot of challenging moments and it was very difficult. It was very different than what I had been doing, working with the elders, assisting them in their work to actually doing the work full time in that dedicated role. So I think about one instance on my mission where I thought, and I think I'd only been out maybe six months, five or six months at this point, And I just thought, I am not going to be able to do this. This is really difficult. I mean, I was, I was in an area where, I mean, it was almost like Alma's experience where he was yelled at and 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 spit upon, although I was never spit upon, I should say. But, you know, the the gears and the sneers and all of the things, it was it was relentless every day in this particular area, not just for the missionaries, but for the sisters as well. And every district meeting we had and every like it, it was just kind of like, man, how are we going to get through this? And what I learned, my companion just had just such a good focus. He was such a humble individual. And he said, you know, Elder Morrow, we are going to ask the Lord for help. And I'm like, we do every day. I'm like, and he's like, but we're going to specifically show our faith even more. And so we fasted pretty much weekly during that transfer, the, those two transfers we were together. And we did our, we always did our companionship study together. And I noticed that from the two things of that, the Lord would always give us that that blessing of being able to at least talk to someone who listened to the message. We didn't necessarily see a lot of success as far as them coming into the church, but we knew that we planted seeds. And the fact that the Lord at least gave us two of those usually a day, because I, I wrote this in my journal, but at least two a day, we would talk to someone, two people, and that was enough. You know, it was it was it made it worth it for all of the the negativity that we received. And so I've learned from that as far as standing in holy places, as long as I'm implementing even what the prophet asked us to do. I thought it was so similar that he asked us to fast recently for this COVID-19 and to, and we did it twice. You know, I thought, man, the power of fasting and then having that daily nourishment of the word it can get you through the hard times. It doesn't make them go away, but it does lighten them. You know, just kind of like Alma said, it does lighten that load a little bit to you don't feel it as as tough as you would without that spiritual, I, I guess, hydration, more or less. Mm -hmm. So cool. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And whenever you mentioned Alma, um, I was thinking about like, like not only Alma, like all the prophets and the scriptures Think of, think of whenever they were corresponding with the Lord, where were they? They were in a holy place. Nephi was told, get thee into the mountain. And then they chat for a couple hours. Moses, mm -hmm. climb up Mount Sinai, we got to talk. <laughs> or Joseph Smith was looking for answers. He went to a grove of trees. It was never, you know, you have to, sometimes you have to make holy the places you stand. Sometimes you have to stand somewhere else for that. And I think the Lord expects us to do the same. But here's another thing is we're not always able to access that. Joseph Smith, when he was in Liberty Jail, he couldn't go anywhere. He was stuck there. Joseph Smith, after many months of being there in that prison, a horrible place, at, towards the conclusion, he speaks of it of being a temple. In some incredible way, he, he made it a holy place where he did converse with the Lord. 
And right now we're, we're all kind of stuck in our own little prison cells with this thing. And <laughs> like, we're, we're not, we no more church services, no more temple worship, but we can still make holy the places we stand. And I'm going to list a few specifics. I've been giving a lot of thought to this because I was very inspired by my sister, Samantha. She's She's somebody, I'm the seventh of nine kids, by the way. And uh, Sam is like, she's a rock. You know, she's, if I can say that, she's like the most spiritual one out of all of of us. The reason why I say that is whenever you walk in the room, like when she walks in the room, you can really feel it from her. And she just glows. Like if you turn off the lights, she'll be glowing in the dark, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And I never straight up asked her, Sam, why are you so spiritual? I don't, I never asked her that, but I, I paid attention to what she does. I noticed that she's very clean. She's very well put together. She, her sleep schedule is consistent. And it's like, there's a lot of science behind it almost. So something, things that I do specifically is like, I, it's all about eliminating distractions, honestly. That's, that's, I think if you, when you get to the core of it, of standing in a spiritual place in a holy place is you eliminate your distractions. A distraction for me is a dirty apartment. I cannot have a dirty apartment. It's not a holy place if it's dirty. Uh, I can't be dressed sloppy. I got to be more professional. That could be standing in a holy place. That's, that's, that's another eliminated distraction. Keep them coming. Like what are, what are some other distractions we can eliminate? You know, getting really to the basics. I think noise is a big one. And I don't mean noise, but like a what you choose to listen to or to watch or those kind of things. Media. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like how, how often is that little thing going off the, you know, telling you about your next, you know, popular Facebook update or whatever. I, I don't use Facebook much, so I can't remember how <laughs> that works now, but, or the messages or whatever. And the one that distracts me, there's a stupid game on my phone that distracts me, but that's a big mm-hmm. one. I'd say media, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. What else, Dontra? What other distractions? You know, for me, it's usually just, Worrying about things outside of my control, you know, because I'll feel like my plate is full of a lot of things. And like right now, you know, with everything being closed, I've been working towards a certification so that I could do my teaching profession the way that I'd like to. And it's outside of my control that I can no longer teach at this current time and that I don't even know when I'm going to take that certification exam because all the testing centers are closed. So it's for me, it's kind of like just worrying about stuff outside of my control that distracts me. So you're right. Lately, like I said, I'm trying to focus on more of those things I can control, which is organizing my surroundings and staying within good uplifting media, which is kind of the motivation even for this podcast, because I wanted to make sure that we all had a way to not only connect with each other, but also to be able to spread light. One scripture that really stands out to me in Doctrine and Covenants is Doctrine and Covenants 101, verse 22. And the Lord says, Behold, it is my will that all they who call on my name and worship me according to my everlasting gospel should gather together and stand in holy places. And Mm -hmm. that's the one thing that the Lord's given us the opportunity to do with this technology that we had. Because if this was all going on, I mean, my goodness, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be able to do this the same way. We'd all just be stuck in our house and just trying to send a postcard hoping the mailman would still come <laughs> and deliver it. But you know what I mean? It, it it just would be a lot harder to have the interpersonal ways that we're able to do it now. So I even think one of the biggest blessings is that people have been able to see the joys that 
come from focusing on those things that are, you know, the most important, the eternal things that the Lord wants us to focus on, which is family and 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 really being of service to one another, you know, loving our neighbors. That's one thing I I thought of a lot in these last <laughs> this last month or so, however long we've been quarantined now. I know, right? <laughs> I was thinking a lot about what you said about uh, Samantha and about how she's very clean and um, specifically her night schedule. Like she goes to bed at a, it sounds like she goes to bed at a regular time every day. It's like a missionary schedule. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, weird, right? Mm-hmm. Coincidence. Mm-hmm. That's inspired. Um, and, uh, right. I thought about that a lot because I find it complex. Like, uh, we often think of rules or like people who set schedules and are like unflexible or whatever as, I don't know, irrational or unflexible, right? Like as if, unflexible is a bad thing in a derogatory way. I've thought about that a lot, mostly because I think it's hard. We sometimes think of those who are very good at establishing a schedule and creating order, I think is the term I want to focus on. You you have one of two responses, right? People either really dislike them because they are unflexible, right? They're not cool. I don't know what it is. Or they love them. They look up to them because they wish they had that discipline in their own lives. And I think that's interesting because I find that duality almost with any principle, right? Like when you're doing the most good is when you seem to find the most opposition. And it's weird that it's just a natural process, right? And and this aspect of order when it comes to like holy places and stuff like that, I think is a really interesting point because I guess the reason why is because it's, it's weird that we make fun of people who seem to be unflexible. And even I have been one of those people that have probably made fun of people for it. And I just, I don't know. I just thought, I thought about that when you mentioned that about Samantha and just how that is a way to establish holiness is to create order out of chaos. Anytime you do that, anytime you organize something, it seems to all of a sudden raise the spiritualness of, of that item or of that situation or of that lifestyle. There's a scripture that talks about your sleep schedule, literally like go to oh, bed really? and something like that. And, but then in the end it says, and arise early that your mind might be invigorated. And you're just like, well, duh. Oh, and yeah. you, like, you notice that going to bed early and waking up early. That's my favorite part of my day. Honestly, I wake up at five or six, depending on my school schedule. And that's mm-hmm. two hours I have to myself. Or in other words, me and the Lord, um, because the rest of the day is kind of chaos. But whenever I have time to, I wake up and I read for a half hour, the Book of Mormon, and then another book for another half hour. I go for a run, I come back, eat breakfast, get dressed, and then I'm out the door. I do school or I do work. But those, if it wasn't for those two hours, I can really hone in on the spirit and, and just carry it with me throughout the day. So the whole day I got, I'm in a holy place. But if I miss that, you know, I, I got to find a way to get it back somehow. You know, if I sleep in, I miss my alarm. You know, I, I can really tell there's something missing and I got to get it back. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Sing a hymn, listen to good music, call a friend, whatever it takes. You know, let virtue garnish your thoughts. Think of good things. Really, the mornings, to be specific, is like the best part. That's that's the most holy place I've ever experienced because so many distractions are eliminated. It's, it's just you and the Lord. I mean, that's the time when you're least likely to be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even your faculties are in a position where they're able to better tap into that holiness, I would say. And so I think it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. It's true. I feel like I've received a lot of personal revelation early in the morning. The Lord, he'll wake me up. And some days I would feel like, no, I need to sleep. But then I notice when it starts happening, the more frequent it happens, 
the more he's trying to tell me something and he's like, you better, you better listen because it's usually days where I've either gone to bed late or I haven't like really finished all of my study that I would do, you know, because I would get distracted for something else. And so, you know, I definitely agree, like having that good schedule, it does make a huge difference. And it does bring back like the mission. Those those hours where you did personal and companionship study, I mean, those were just golden. It got me through, like I mentioned earlier, that rough area that I was in. If it had not been for that, it's easy to even say that I probably would just wouldn't have been able to go forward. I would have just said, I, I can't do this. But having that balance and that anchor and that particular leader with me at that time made the difference. It does stand as an example. Well, and hopefully companion study continues after... After the mission, too, right? <laughs> hey, I'm counting this as one right now. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to get me a companion again. <laughs> right. right. Well, and I get to choose this time. <laughs> it's funny because you, you think it would be easier to do companionship study when you have chosen your companion, right? And in ways it is, but in other ways it's way harder. Like it's different. There's assumptions that are sometimes made that makes it harder to do the companionship study. So I think it's funny because it's it's a lesson that I don't think will ever, ever end, right? If you want to make it happen, you got to make it happen. Mm, yeah, it totally makes sense. And then along with what we were talking about with our sleep schedules and like having energy throughout the day, like we know and like it's, we can sometimes... Sometimes you need a day. Sometimes you got to take it easy. But we know laziness is literally a sin. It says that somewhere. Laziness is a sin because that's whenever Satan creeps in. <laughs> if we're busy doing good things, he's not going to tempt us. But as it says in Doctrine and Covenant, it says, Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. And inasmuch as men do good, they shall no wise lose their reward. Their reward meaning they're in a holy place. And if we are productive and doing good things, then we will be blessed. We'll be in a holy place. That's the best reward we could ever have. <laughs> Absolutely. So there, I've, I've shared a few specifics there about how I personally stand in holy places and people who I love and care about, the things they do to stand in holy places. And our best example is our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And from that point, you know, it's it's... Prophets of old and prophets of today, President Nelson and his the apostles, people we admire who stand in holy places. We can make a huge difference in the world by doing this. And especially now, whenever things tend to be hard, being locked inside, we can still make this a holy place and do things of our own free will and choice to make it happen. I really do believe that. I second that. I was just watching the Ten Commandments do it every every Easter mm -hmm. Uh, oh, actually, no, this time we watched Ben-Hur. But either way, it was really fun because it makes you reflect on like that, that relationship. And I totally agree. I guess I want to sh share how important trying to focus on Christ and establishing your holy place with him is critical to make it peaceful, to make it lasting. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's awesome. Mm -hmm. What would you guys like share as far as a personal testimony of how you've seen the power of following that scripture and standing in holy places? Like what's a specific example you can have that, that you'd want to share of how that's blessed you in your life personally? I had a really cool experience two months ago where early in the morning I felt prompted to take some time and just like deep clean my apartment. <laughs> and I was going to kind of redecorate the walls with some you know, some pictures that I got from the DI of the Savior <laughs> and, you know, some of the prophets. And like 
and put on some hymns on my on my Bluetooth speaker. Like no one's here, I can do whatever I want, and I'm just gonna really clean this place up, make it nice and cozy. And then later around lunchtime, I get a call from one of the sisters in my ward who was going through a really hard time and was trying to decide if she needed to move back with her family or not or stay. And she requested a priesthood blessing. And the place where she is is not really a holy place. Her roommates are a little crazy and it's, it's dirty. And I'm just like, please come to my apartment and we'll talk about this. And she walks through the door kind of moaning and groaning. And <laughs> we, we talk and she's, she's, I can tell her countenance starts to brighten up a little bit. And I give her a blessing and we talk some more. And she just says, I really feel the spirit right now. And I really feel like I need to stay and do school. And I'm going to call my parents and let them know. Thanks for all you do. And she was gone, totally different compared to how she walked in to where she walked out. The, she felt the spirit and so did I. Like, I couldn't deny it. The spirit was here and it was there the rest of the day. And I'm just like, I'm going to keep this place looking like this and it's going to be a holy place because people can notice it. They, she noticed it very clearly and so did I. And it was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. I would say, I think the first one that came to my mind was the birth of my son which is a little cliche, but the, I think what was amazing to me about it was that it was in a hospital. And from many experiences that I've had that have been pretty spiritual, they have been in hospitals, whether it be like a, a passing or a new life, right? Like, and so I, I, I didn't expect to think about this, but when it comes to like, I guess a, a form of holy places, because of the belief system that we have and the testimony that you can have about the, the gospel, it can make a place like a hospital, a holy place. And so the birth of my son is a big one. That one, I don't, that one's hard to explain. You kind of, you feel the weight of the world on you and like a huge spiritual boost at the same time. And that's probably the most recent one that's been like really big, I guess, in my mind. Actually, no, that's, you have fun little experiences that goes as you as they develop, but, but that's been kind of fun. So that's probably my, my big one, I guess, at the moment, just the realization of God's hand in the creation of life. And it's tied together because of blessings like the temple and, and that only through Christ and his help would I be able to even remotely be the dad he needs to have. And uh, hopefully I'm doing that as well as I should. You know, like those, those things just help me remember the love God has for me and hopefully pass that to my son. You know, for me, the most recent experience I've had where standing in holy places really just overtook myself and my family was when my mom was able to receive her endowments in the temple this past February. And it was a testament of just the examples that we set, because I feel like from the time we started her temple prep classes last fall, starting in, I think it was in October, and the Spirit and the Lord kept telling me that we needed to have it done, that, you know, I needed to really be patient and really work on helping encourage her to do that step. And I was getting discouraged. I mean, there were there were setbacks. There were things that would happen that would either we couldn't get to a class or it, it, it always seemed like something was coming up. But I didn't quit. 
And she didn't either. You know, she kept making the effort over time to keep going back and to keep learning for herself. But when we went through that day in February, it was a great experience because she felt literally like the world was lifted off of her shoulders. And for that brief moment while we were in there and and seeing all of the wonderful members that came to support her and her friends. And, you know, she asked me and she said, is this what is this what it's like when you come here all the time, like to the temple? And I said, yes. And she said, you know, I feel so protected now than I did before in wearing my holy garment. I feel that light. And I'm so glad. I mean, because little did I know and little did any of us know of how the world would change after that. Had it been even two weeks later, you know, we wouldn't have been able to go. It it would have been very hard to have been able to have that experience. So that was an example to me of really just like trusting those promptings that you get. And even though it was difficult not to give up, just to have hope and just to just just keep the Lord in in the mix saying, I'm doing what I can. Please help the situation. And it forever changed our family. So it was it was a true blessing. Perfect. That's awesome, dude. It's all in the timing. Isn't it kind of cool? Like the, I don't know, the the crisscross, right? Like any later, you would have had a lot of members that couldn't have come and it would have maybe not been as cool as as it was because of that timing. And so that's kind of cool. I find that interesting too. Like I often think about timing because I'm still in school and I'm 30 years old, but it's made it so that I could have the family I have and the wife I do and I wouldn't trade those blessings. And so it's, you know, it's important that we be grateful for the timing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting close. I'm getting close to the time I got to go. I got a little one that's <laughs> still trying to go to bed, and uh, well, um, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, thank you so much, brothers. I I really appreciate you being willing to share some of your time today, and thank you too, Joseph, for for giving us this topic to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.